0: It's time to explore and find the answers you've been searching for with the new 2023 Data Dive datasets. The MGMA Provider Compensation and Production Dataset is one of the most comprehensive datasets in the industry, providing hospital and physician-owned practice data, and compensation benchmarks for medical directorship, own call, academic, and starting salaries. The 2023 data set represents nearly 190,000 providers from 6,800 groups spanning 250 specialties. With this valuable data, you can attract and retain the highest quality providers, drive more revenue through productivity, and keep costs contained. Learn more by visiting mgma.com/ Data Dive. Healthcare is complicated, but you don't have to navigate the complexities alone. Care Allies collaborates with physician organizations to solve some of the toughest challenges on the path to value-based care. As your organization works to effectively manage your more vulnerable patient populations, enhance outcomes, and improve data analytics, Care Allies brings the people, technology, and processes to support you so you can focus on practicing medicine. Visit careallies.com to see how they can help to radically simplify value based care. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, senior editor of MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Today, we've got a topic that is definitely important to practice administrators and healthcare leaders. How do we prepare for the wave of physician retirements? So here to help us take a deep dive into that topic and to explore the topic and offer tips and resources is Tony Stadahar. He's president, Jackson Physician Search. Tony, thanks and welcome back to the MGMA podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. It is, it's really great to reconnect with you here on the show, have you on again as a guest. Um, for any new listeners we have, give us an idea of who Jackson Physician Search is and and really what your role is there. Sure. Um
1: you know, Jackson Physician Search, we're the industry leader basically in terms of size, customer service, thought leadership, philanthropy, et cetera. Um, and that's just in the permanent physician recruitment market. So we've been doing this since, gosh, 1977. And I came back in, in um, about 12 years ago to, to take over the leadership role in the company. But we recruit physician executives, clinical physicians, APPs, basically in every state in the U.S. So uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's been an interesting career. And right now, I'm fortunate enough to be the leader of this amazing group, and um, uh, you know, they they all just have that others first mentality and always doing the right thing, just to make sure that we can help people have access to healthcare nationwide. That's really what we try to do. That's our, our kind of part of our vision and values and what we're trying to help people accomplish. And just uh, recently, I just found out day before yesterday, we're fortunate enough to also be for the eighth year in a row selected as one of the top places to work in the U.S. and healthcare. So. Um, Last two years, we've been number three,
0: love to get to number one. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Well, congrats for that honor. And you guys really are in an interesting space and a a space that's needed because of the topic we're going to talk about. There's, it's not a big secret. (laughs) There is a physician shortage and um, we need to be aware of it. And we're glad we have partners like you who are on top of that and helping place people and making sure we can get those physicians to those uh, practices, health systems, etc. So um, let's take a deep dive into that. One of the reasons we're talking about this is that uh, Jackson Physician Search has a new white paper that really digs into this topic. We're going to examine some key points from that study. Um, but first of all, Tony, just give us an idea of the landscape. What's mm-hmm. going on with this wave of retirements? What's taking place in the industry and And how is it impacting practices?
1: Yeah, absolutely. um, You know, it's it's kind of a, this will be kind of a rambling answer because Mm -hmm. because there's so many ways that um, what's been going on for the last several years is impacting this. Um, The interesting thing is, and I'll come back to this later in, in terms of how useful people who are thinking of retirement can be, but... Suffice it to say that physicians that are nearing retirement age are already there. Um, those physicians, from a um, you know from a technical standpoint, worked really more hours than physicians who are coming out uh, of practice out of uh, in, uh, excuse me residency now. So those physicians are used to working several days a week, um, you know, five days a week, seeing 30 patients a day, um, doing call every other night, you know, all of those sort of things. They've been doing it their entire lives. So they've worked at a much higher pace than we're being told the current residents want to work going forward. They didn't worry about the work-life balance that you hear all the talk about today, right? That was uh, that was just kind of who they are and the nature of their beast and, and what they did. Uh, so over the years, you know, that's got to wear on you over time. And so when they talk about physician burnout, it's like if there's burnout for these physicians that are nearing retirement age or at retirement age, gosh darn it, they deserved it. you know, because they worked their tails off for 40 plus years to get to the point where they are right now. You take that then and you you add on the things that have happened over the last several years with the pandemic and the toll that that took on people mentally, physically, emotionally, um, and it has kind of pushed that even further and further towards the edge. So all of a sudden, you've got this huge percentage of physicians that are above the age of 55 that are nearing what the, you know, the world thinks as retirement age. You right. know, of course, in France, that's probably only 62, but here, here it's <laughs> 65, 67, whatever it's going to be this year. Uh, but as they start approaching that, the more they start thinking about what are they going to do? Now, you're always going to have the diehard physicians, in my opinion, that are going to say they'll probably work until they're just not here anymore, you right. know, and they they just work until they pass. But uh, most physicians are getting to the point where they want to have some type of plan and some type of future outside of medicine as they go forward. But I think what we're finding is that there are a lot more physicians, and we're finding in this study, a lot more physicians that are willing to transition than we ever maybe thought there was before. I think there's a lot of opportunities here. But the other part that's really interesting to me is when we work with medical groups, hospitals nationwide, we usually look at their planning for the next year of recruitment or the next two or three years of recruitment. And invariably, the one thing you never hear uh, addressed is the attrition. They're talking about the needs that they have right now and that would just keep them at par if they had no retirement coming. But the average age of physicians right now is going to be like, I feel like there's a potential cliff that we can drop off of with a, that would just exasperate the, um, the shortage even more if we don't have something, some strategy in place to figure out how do we use these people that are, quote, aging out of, of practice life.
0: Okay. There's something that... Another topic here within this bigger topic that you and I have talked about before, and it's when those physicians get to that point where they're deciding, you know, I'm ready to make some changes in my workload, I might fully retire, I, uh, I'm going to transition in one way or the other, there's been a disconnect between uh, giving notice, so to speak, for the physicians, it might, as you've told me before, it might be six months for the practice administrator, they'd like about 18 months or so I might have those numbers off. So you can elaborate on that. But how can those practice leaders become more strategic and develop those better lines of communication with those physicians so they can really carve out that space where it's, they're on the same page with one another. Talk about yeah. that.
1: Yeah, let me just give you a couple statistics that sure. I've
0: jotted down here. So,
1: yeah, you're you're spot on because what this this most recent study showed us is that 41% of physicians only think they need to give like 3 months notice, oh, which gosh. is unbelievable. <laughs> uh that it, I mean, I couldn't give 3 months notice in my job and I'm way less important than a physician is. Um and, and then another 32% say 4 to 6 months. So, you know, you're like basically 75% of physicians think as long as they give lessons or up to six months notice, they're golden. And they think that's all that their practice needs. And in some opinions deserve Um, on the flip side, you've got administration, a small part, maybe 30% feel like seven to 12 months is a minimum, but that's, that's like minimum, not optimal, but I've got to have at least that much. Because, you know it's going to take you six, 12 months, 18 months to recruit a physician in most cases. So you've got to do the math. it doesn't it doesn't take rocket science oh. to figure out where that lands. But another 47% of administrators said that one to three years is optimal. Oh whoa, that's a new
0: number for me from from you. Uh, wow,
1: okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So while 80 just keep in mind, 84 percent of administrators, 71 percent of physicians, believe that it's the physician's responsibility to start this conversation, Um, which is, you know, we're, so think about that. They all are in agreement on that part, it seems like, yet we're finding that the average retirement uh, terms that are being given out are six months or less. So that needs to be fixed. And and we got to come up with some kind of strategies as to how to do that. But historically, you know, with all the people that I've known for the last 36 years of doing this, you know, you, I, I, got, I know a lot of physicians, a lot of CEOs, and it, it's like just this weird, bizarre dynamic between the two, like physicians are worried about saying, you know, let's talk about what my transition is going to be. Because they seem to be worried. They've always been worried that if they say this, that it's as though they're going to put a line in the sand and say, I'm gone here, or that I'm forced to leave if I'm not ready to leave. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get that. You know, I totally get that. You know, I'm thinking, here's where maybe I'd like to retire. But if all's well, and things are good, and I'm still needed, yeah, I could probably work another year, two years, Mm -hmm. whatever, cut back on time, whatever the case may be. Physicians are no different than us. They've got that same fear in mind, though, that if they commit to something, then they're going to be, you know, um, wheeled out on a wheelchair right. and they're, they're going to be needed. CEOs, on the other hand, look at it from the opposite, and their worries are very similar, but in the opposite direction. They're afraid if they broach the subject with physicians, they're, it's going to hurt their psyche or their, their feelings. And they're going to feel that they're no longer needed. And, you know, why are they trying to, you know, plan my retirement? I'm not ready to retire, but they don't realize that this is just a strategy that's done for all physicians, not just them. We're not picking on them. So in my opinion, we need to come up with some strategies to have that conversation start at whatever age they deem necessary is it 55 is it 60 you know maybe it's a little bit different maybe you just throw it out there to get an initial response at 55 and somebody says well I'm not even going to be thinking about that till I'm 60 and then you mark it in the calendar to readdress it then but I think what we need to do is start having open healthy conversations right. about where it's going what your plans are why you want to retire, you know, get information, just have a good personal talk with them. Because now is the time in my mind, when you start getting to this point, this is more, this is not so much about clinical things. You know, this doctor, in theory, could have been working for you for 20 years or with you for 20 years. And you know what they do, you know, they know their uh, loads, what they do, what their calls like, the type of uh, you know, the, the type of person they are, et cetera. But now's the point where you want to start talking to them and getting to know them better personally. It's that next stage of their life. You know, if you can be real with them and say, what are you thinking about? What would you like to do? Uh, you know, and really get into an in-depth personal conversation and let them know that you, you know, not only want to help the facility, if we can prolong some of these, uh, their their work with the organization, but that you also care about what they're looking for, and what they need to make their lives better, because they're in a stage of life, they should be in the stage of life where their life should be better, they should be able to transition and do what they want to do. They earned it. So, you know, I think there just needs to be some healthier, open communication and clarification as to why we're having this conversation instead of fear on either side of having it, if that makes wow. sense
0: it absolutely does and it does seem like a winning formula it really starts with the leadership in the organization with the culture of the organization where they set the expectations the leadership does hey we're going to have open dialogue open communication we're not coming in here pushing out the door by bringing this conversation up we want to work on your timetable and and communicate absolutely. and connect with you another way to do that so we were talking about fully Leaving, but what the study shows, and what you've told me in the past, is there is a desire for many uh, physicians to move towards more flexible work. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw a quote in here that, or that many administrators, many uh, might believe that when that talk starts, that done is done, but the physicians are going. No, I just, I don't want to see 30 patients anymore. I want to spend some time with the family, the grandkids or, you know, on the golf course or or consulting or teaching or doing other things in addition to only seeing patients. So it might be more flexible work. Talk about that flexible work. How do we make that work in these practices?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And let me give you a few more stats that came from this recent survey. So only 12% of physicians say they intend to uh, set a retirement date and fully retire. But 24% of administrators believe that's true. They think once they set a retirement date, they're done and not, not partially retire, but done. Uh, so there's twice as many administrators feel that way as, as physicians. So the vast majority of administrators, I think it's like 70 ish percent. I think physicians will reduce their hours for one to three years Uh, before fully retiring and 43% of physicians say the same, but they, let me switch pages here, but they uh, are also planning to stay in the workforce in some new ways and some plan to work locums, others plan to work for another employer. So in my mind, administrators should be initiating that retirement conversation, as I said, you know, around their mid-50s to start talking about how that next chapter is going to unfold. Um, But, you know that what we're hearing and what we're hearing from most physicians is saying, "Yeah, this is my retirement date," which doesn't mean I'm retiring. They shouldn't even call it retirement. They should call it a transition. Okay. And as you said, there's going to be a lot that say, "You know, I'd love to teach." You know, maybe there's a place in them for, within an, for them within an organization to mentor new physicians, younger physicians that. that are coming into that system, yeah. hospital, medical group, etc you know, they can still, you know, maybe have some clinical hours, but really that's their purpose is to help work on helping those people uh, acclimate to the culture of the group that they've helped build. So, you know, making them feel like they have some sort of importance there, because in, in reality, if you do it this way, they really do. Um, or physicians saying, and I've got some stats coming here in, an, in another moment that we'll talk about, some are just looking for different type of practice at this point. They just don't want to be full-time. And like you say, you know, I just want to golf one day on the weekend and one day on Wednesday, you know? Okay, great. We can probably work that out. If you want to keep working, you know, in today's world, as I, as I mentioned earlier, newer physicians come out that, you know, four day work week, that, that could be considered full-time work. You know, that's as much as they want to do. Uh, So So really, when you take some of these physicians that have been working five day work weeks at the at the pace they have, if they said they wanted to back off a day or two, they could be equivalent to a new grad coming out and what their pace is going to be today. So you know, net net, you could come out with a a full time physician even if he's slowing down a bit. So right.
0: So, going back to the title of this white paper, it's this wave of physician. Uh, retirement, what are the key drivers? What, what is causing it? I know you've touched on a lot of them, but let's just kind of look at it uh, specifically here. What are some of those points that are causing physicians to transition, retire, whatever we however we want to define that? And then how can administrators utilize that information to you know build build better relationships with their physicians?
1: Yeah, re- really interesting points that came out of the survey. So half of the administrators that were surveyed think that the driver for people to retire, for physicians to retire, is, is age. Okay. Only 12% of the physicians feel that way, though. So there is you know, a very small percentage that feel like, you know what, I'm getting old, too old for this. I can't do this anymore. I need to be done 100%. Mm-hmm. That's like 10 or 12, 10 to 12% are in that range. So that's the good news. Um, and one in four physicians say burnout is the primary driver. Uh, then it's followed by lifestyle, achieving financial stability. Um, in other words, they have some sort of burnout, and as soon as they can afford to leave, they intend to do so. Um, you know, but some of those things over the last decade or maybe decade and a half have have seen ebbs and flows. You know, with the recession and what was it, two thousand eight, the recession. Things that are going on today, the scares in Wall Street right now, the debt ceiling is going to be raised. Oh, my gosh, it just goes on and on. And then they start looking at their 401k and go, oh, my gosh, I thought I was going to retire next year. If this happens, there's no way I'm going to be able to do it for two or three more years. So all of this is going through their head, just like it is probably most people who are thinking of retirement. But Mitigating uh, that burnout is always top of mind, and one of the things that we should continue to, to work on and encourage physicians so they can uh, delay that full time retirement. But what they're looking for, the statistics say that 58% would be looking for part time schedules. So, again, keep in mind part time schedules could be the equivalent of a new grad's full time schedule. So, right. that wouldn't be so bad. Um, 52% uh, identified uh, more flexibility in their schedule. 42% said elimination of call. I know a lot of groups throughout the country that once their physicians age out, so to speak, or get to a certain age, um, they are no longer on the call rotation. And that's just part of their group mentality. And that's part of their culture to say that these guys have earned it. They don't need to be on the call rotation anymore. And um, and people realize that. The younger people know they may have to take take up the slack until they recruit somebody else to replace that call schedule. But that's that's one of that was forty two percent of the of wow. the respondents said call hours. Um, other factors, you know, I think you mentioned like reduced patient load, or mm-hmm. uh, some are even saying a retention bonus. Hmm. So it's interesting to say, you know, that that retention bonus, depending on the individual, it could be something as minute as you know ten thousand dollars. I feel pretty certain that almost any administrator here would say if they could spend ten or $20,000 to keep a physician that they really love to stay on and stay on another year and then another year and another, if if it took something that minute and maybe a small adjustment of schedules and things like that, people would be all over it. But these are the things that by and large, according to the survey, just are not being explored that much. So uh, those are some of the things that are the cause and effect, but you know, the good news for the administration is with the volatility of where things are financially right now, right. you know, that could really keep people on even a little bit longer. So that gives you a little bit of reprieve. However, it still doesn't say don't have the conversation. You still right. need to have the conversation
0: as we're discussing. Well, correct, because they could be staying on Not against their will, but against their desires to just transition and make some changes because, but because of those economic concerns that are taking place in our economy, um, that might keep them on working and not maybe as happy as they might be if they could just lessen that workload, et cetera. So, yeah,
1: and think and you think about that you think, okay, physicians don't need the money at that point in their career that what does that really mean to them but you know it could even be something as simple as them saying you know yeah I've got the money I need to retire I can live comfortably but gosh that would be a nice I could just basically take that and gift it to my grandchildren to help my kids pay for their education you know so they don't have that on their plates someday down the down the road who knows what they would need it for but you know, again, that could be part of the conversation and just, you know, what what can we do to help you? What can we do to help this be easier for you? So Mm -hmm. um, just make them know, help them know, I should say, um, that we're with them to try and help this be as as easy of a transition and enjoyable of a transition, because this should be the time that they're starting to enjoy all the fruits of their labor.
0: Right. As a final question, then, is there anything else uh, from the study itself that really piqued your interest? You wanted to share with our audience, or any just final thoughts about what's going on with physician retirement that you want to share with us?
1: Yeah, uh, I just throw a couple more stats at you. Um, okay, you know, on the on the surface, it seems like them sticking around is a small reprieve, but but you know with facing such a sheer, serious shortage that was part of the questions that we we were asking about how do we how do we minimize that as much as we possibly can so 62% said they had no change in retirement because of the economics right now um but 16% that they're de- delaying a year or two 11% said 3 to 4 years and another 11% said 5 or more years so that will always be the part of the driver that's going to get them to decide whether they want to stick around or not stick around. And 50% probably have the financial wherewithal to be able to say, it really doesn't matter. I'll have, I'll have the money, I can retire whether whether I have extra money or not. But I think the most important things to to take out of this are to say, you know, to to go back and recap. One is start the conversation. Have the conversation. Don't do it with just an individual physician. But maybe let the group know, in this case, medical groups know that this is a plan we've come up with, you know, something we can we can um, say we're going to be introducing this to the group. And so people don't feel singled out. So, you know, this is something that I'm going to be talking to every physician in the group about. It's not just you. Because then they start to internalize and say, why me? So, you know, that's got to be part of the plan and, and roll the plan out to the group. So it's it's a strategy. It's not a plan. It's a, just a strategy. And get feedback from people how they feel about it. You know, so always ask for feedback from your physicians, because if you're making policy for your physicians, they're not going to feel uh, as though they're a very big part of the, of the decision making process, which, as we've discussed before, is a, is a big thing for them. Um, then I think um, you know, starting that conversation, finding out what they what they really want to do when they're completing, uh, and then you have to start rolling those numbers back into your overall recruitment plan for the next one, three, five years. If you're not including attrition in your medical staff planning, that's a big mistake. So you really, really need to jump on it as early as you possibly can. And then just get creative and think outside the box of what can I do to try and help make their lives easier that would make them want to stick around longer and right. continue to be part of the group and helping them to understand how, how important they are to us and that we want them to be here as long as as long as they feel comfortable.
0: OK, well, Tony, these are some great points. Thanks again for joining us uh, on the MGMA podcast. My pleasure. Thank you all right well that is going to do it for this episode of mgma's business solutions podcast thanks again to tony stadahar he's president jackson physician search um as a note in our episode show notes i will provide a direct link to this research paper we've been discussing so you can access that and read it thanks again for listening and for being a part of the mgma podcast network If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.